Hello, um, I think we're live. Are we live? Oh, quick, check. Yes, we are. Hello, <laughs> welcome to Ash Rugby Chat. How are you doing? Can Super Rugby get any crazier than this? I really don't know because that's how the results seem to be going. What we'll do this evening, we'll have a quick chat about some of the stuff that's going on. Obviously, we've got some uh, Flowergate and uh, stuff that Crusaders been going on. So we'll touch. We'll just touch on those. We won't go into that in any depth. Um, plus, we'll also, but we'll mainly be looking at how we see Super Rugby finishing this season. So uh, I'll be sharing a screen with all the all, all of the um, uh, all, all the games that are coming up, and we'll run through every single game, giving you our uh, expectation as to how many points each team will get out of those games, i.e. bonus points and wins and losses and all of that stuff. And to join me doing that, I have the one, the only, the uh, guy who bought me this jersey. <laughs> Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Very good. Once again, privilege and a, pri privilege and a pleasure to be on the uh, uh, TDM. And uh, listen, Saturday night was uh, a lot of fun, wasn't it? Uh, apart from if you were you're a chief supporter, so maybe the one of one of three blues supporters that were in the uh, in the uh, zone sports bar probably would have been pleased with the result. Well, yes, that's very true. I think then everyone else was uh, was, was not so happy with the result. Um, but hey, I got a blues jersey. I'm a blue supporter at the end of the day, so uh, it was a, a good result from that point of view, but not so, so much from uh, from my audience, which was what I was kind of kind of more worried about on, on Saturday night, to be honest. But there we go, there we go. So. Hopefully, we've also got John O'Connor to join us, um, but he was having some technical issues dialing in. So we'll see if uh, if he manages to um, uh, to join us on the show or not. Uh, but it's good to have him back yet again. Um, so yes, let's touch off on these things before we just because they are the hot topics at the moment. Um, but Falau, so he has officially been uh, officially been fired, or his contract has officially been ripped up, as it were. Yep, that he has, but. Um... You just sense that now. Listening ahead, I think it was about seventy-two hours to to basically appeal, and um, obviously nothing heard. So you just uh, you think this is probably going to go to the the barristers. I would would imagine. I'm hearing stories that he's hired a QC, so he's uh, obviously going to go after Australian rugby. Yeah, so, he uh, they're in for they're in for some tough times, Paul. Yeah, I think so. He came out and said that uh, he didn't trust the. To, he didn't trust that we get a fair hearing um, on that. That's why he didn't appeal. Now, whether that's uh, well, I guess um, it's supposedly an independent panel, but um, but it is appointed by Rugby Australia. So I, I guess, um, and, uh, and so far they have every time they found against him. So I can I can see where he's coming from in that one. Um, why he might be feeling that way, uh, but yeah, you, you, I'd, I'd have thought he would have appealed first and then gone to court. Um, instead of going straight to court, but there you go. These things, unfortunately, do happen, and I do think we're going to be heading that way. And then, to um, to, to follow things up, we have a whole bunch of uh, Crusaders players, or three, I think, is the number, who um, drank uh, a bit too much, and then uh, various reports of pinching a woman's bottom, and then homophobic slurs in a fast food joint late at night. Um, not. Uh, uh, not very clever from the the the, the, the Crusaders players um, by any stretch of the imagination, <coughs> really, is it? No, no. well, I, I thought times that have changed that you'd go out play a game of footy, have a few beers, and then end up at McDonald's. I thought those times uh, were, were were sort of twenty odd twenty odd years ago, or long before the days of 
professional rugby from now from what i believe i'll, I'll kind of break this down and of course there's not a lot of information all this is alleged at this stage although richie moore has already come out and and made some sort of a apology so that's not an admission to have actually done something um i don't know what is and um well, well i think course, but yes but hang on his, his apology says i drunk too much i can't remember what happened so he, he, it's kind of it may or may not have happened as far as he's uh, as far as he knows. Yeah, oh, he's, he's he's obviously put he's put the excuse out there first. Yes. Um, gee whiz. Um, what what is is concerning is the uh, is the guy that made the homophobic slurs about is, is actually if he's got some sort of sort of evidence. Well, I hate to say it, but these lads should well and truly get their butts. That's kicked in this in this day and age. They really should know know better. But like I say, a lot of this is alleged at this stage. But uh, what I am a bit, um, I find a bit strange. I do believe there was. Uh, they mentioned they had a security services guy with them. Now, is that a, a, a security guy that's hired from them, uh, from wherever they're staying, or is this their own guy? Because if it's their own guy, he'd be the first guy I'd say. Well, yes, that's true. Um... And actually, um, good evening, John. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing, sir? Morning, boys. Good. And as as our South African expert, you can tell us: Do you need a security guy to go out and go out in the evening in um, wherever the Crusaders were in South Africa and to, to get McDonald's? Cape Town. <laughs> um, and I, th I thought the security guy went with to keep the South Africans safe from the uh, angry, <laughs> violent New Zealand rugby players. Isn't that? <laughs> Well, he did his job then, didn't he? They they, they stayed safe. From Dangerous testosterone-carrying, steroid-driven, droid rage, whatever. <laughs> let's in, let's introduce all the, you know, all the the uh, cliches that we possibly can about um, over-exercised, over-doped, over-sexed, uh, hyper-alert, super-aggressive. Insert name here. Isn't that um, isn't that what he's there for? Can, 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 we, can we just say the word allegedly amongst all that before I get sued? Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my channel ends up being bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. there was something that I'd left. Out there. <laughs> well, I, I think that um, I think that most sporting teams these days, um, when they are on tour, have a security expert with them. I don't think that it's it's restricted just to South Africa and um, and addressing situations about possible muggings or things like that. I think it's got more to do with the climate that we're living in, um, going as far back as, what was it, 07, 09, when, um, when the bus was shot up uh, with the Sri Lankan team. And um, from that time, I think most professional organizations have a security, if not a full detail, at least a security advisor that's with them when they're on tour. It makes sense. You know, um, I remember the first time I visited Auckland, I walked back from the waterfront to the city centre by the sky, uh, by Sky City at about 2.30 in the morning and people thought I was crazy, you know. Um, they said, how can you do that? That's not safe. Um, I thought, you know, being a South African, I thought I, I was the danger. Um, but uh, they told me, no, you weren't. <laughs> so, you know, you don't know what, what you don't know in any particular city. Um, I think it would probably be helpful in the early hours of the morning if you've got a security officer with you that can 
you know, point out where's it. But um, th- this occurred in Cape Town, right? Uh, yes. Oh, no, I don't, I don't know where yes. it is. Yes. Okay, yes. Well, they played, the, they, they played the Stormers, so I'm assuming it's, it's Cape Town. Well, it's unlikely to be Johannesburg if they played the Stormers a couple of hours beforehand. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the Cape Town City Centre is actually quite safe. The Cape Town City Centre, probably 15, 10, 15 years ago, they installed a massive amount of cameras around the whole city, which are monitored continually. And they basically reclaimed the city centre from petty criminals, right? So of the city centres in South Africa, Cape Town is, is really safe. They've got like a command centre, kind of like what the British do, you know. Um, you know, the George Orwell type 1984 London city centre, what you're looking at there, Paul, um, where <laughs> everything is. I mean, and we watch these procedural things, these British procedural cop dramas, and there's, according to them, there's a camera watching you wherever you go. So, um, Absolutely. You, you, yeah, you, you can track people now uh, through all these cameras. There are, there are a, a lot of them around, particularly in the UK, uh, yeah, you, and um, which, which goes back to sort of various terrorist things that happened with the IRA followed by other terrorist activities that's happened since then, unfortunately. Um, that's so. what they're there for. Right? Yep. So the you know, Cape Town is a, obviously, if there was going to be a, some kind of terrorist incident, Cape Town is obviously a, a world-renowned mm-hmm. city, so all sort of security issues around that, just like most of these major potential target cities are in the world, unfortunately. So... It, it would make sense to have a security officer with them, right, or a security advisor. Um, I think it would be very helpful if he is going to back up their story that he's not an employee of the Crusaders. If yep. he's a South African um, security officer uh, working for whatever com- company he's been contracted and he backs their story up, that's hugely helpful. Um, and here's the thing, guys, you know, um, you – and you cannot stop people from approaching sportsmen, mm-hmm. right? Unless you want them to live in some kind of hermetically sealed ivory tower, right? You cannot uh, uh, ask them to have a normal kind of life and not be approached, you know? So um, I posted on Facebook this weekend. We were at a club game here in Hamilton. And uh, I was with my son and we were supporting a family friends. Their daughter was playing um, and she's made a debut in the Premier League for the women's team. And she's only 16. So we're supporting them. And there is our favorite New Zealand rugby player, Stacey Walker. And so we went up and, and spoke to her. We had a photograph. She was wonderful. She's a complete credit to New Zealand, to uh, the, the Black Ferns and to rugby as a sport. But you can't expect these sportsmen to have a normal life and cut them off from the world, right? If they want to go out and get McDonald's, they, they're young, they're mid-20s, um, they're in a foreign city, they've just played a rugby game, they, you know, it takes hours to come off that high, um, and they go out and get food. You can't stop people from approaching them. So one of the primary principles of having that security officer there is to back them up, right? Yep. Is to be able to to back them up in this kind of situation. Yes, to get between them and if something escalates, right? And to to provide some guidance, but also to give them some uh, witness support, right? 
Um, that's one of the functions that that security officer will do. So he'll advise, look, don't go in that area. That's a better place to go. I know the city, whatever the story might be, but also to protect them and to protect them after the fact. So, you know, we're very much in a, in a, a culture at the moment of, of hot takes. Everybody's got to have a hot take on everything. Everybody's got to have an opinion, an instantaneous opinion on everything, right? So the old principles of good journalism where you actually report on something that's factual. We don't just go by hearsay. We have second uh, um, you, corroboration you have, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you have corroboration. You have you have backup. You have proof. You have background. Whatever. No, it's just at the moment. It's just I'm hearing that, right? Yeah, I'm hearing that, and blah 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 blah. Insert clickbait here, right? And that's what we're seeing at the moment. You know, some of these um, crusaders organization rocked. So what's going on here? <laughs> I open it up. I go, somebody's accused them of doing something. They vehemently deny it. Why is that rocking the whole organization? <laughs> they rock the organization if they're found to have done it. And there's multiple incidences across the whole organization, and there's some kind of systemic problem there, right? But, yeah, but, but it, it made but I clicked. I fell for it. I clicked <laughs> so on that yeah, headline. Got, they, they got the click. Eh? That's that was what they were I, after. I, I, so, so let's let's refuse to take the bait. And let's say, wait, let us see how this thing plays out. Let's see what the proof is. Um, and let's not react from some kind of visceral, ah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, was, that, that, that was going to say, and also the, the, the as I say, the, 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 there's a couple of differences here. One uh, is that, yeah, look, people criticize Australian rugby for, for being so slow around the flower thing. I'm like, no, they followed due process and, did the, did, and went about it the right kind of way. And you, you're absolutely right. We need to now wait um, on this one to see. Let due process take it, take it, take its um, take its course. Uh, and people who are calling for these guys to be, if, anyone, if anyone's calling these guys to be sort of fired or stuff, that's that's way over the top um, at this stage. Let's wait and see what, see what, what the facts are, uh, how the the union deals with it, and also the difference here. I think is clearly these guys are um, apologising already. So they they realise that they've whereas um, in the flower case there wasn't there isn't an apology. He thinks he's done, I've actually done anything wrong. So the you, people who want to have a second chance and have, and have realised they've done wrong, then you give them another chance as well. Um, and Stephen, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I was. I, I was up early this morning and I had TV and Z on or the state-owned uh, broadcaster on, and I think John Campbell, who is ex TV three, has now joined. Uh, TV One Breakfast, and of course the <clears throat> the I think the second headline off the rink was about the Crusaders, and John Campbell brought the story up, and he says, "Well, we're heading to so and so at the airport just to see what's happening." Then they got to a guy at the airport, and he goes, "Oh well," um, looks around and goes, "No, the Crusaders haven't arrived at at this stage, but uh, yeah, nothing at this stage." But uh, back to you, John. And I thought to myself. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> they 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 the, the state-owned broadcaster sent a resource out to the airport, so he's standing there waiting for the Crusaders to come in, and nothing's happened. Uh, really, really, and truthfully, is that is that what our journalism is all about? I you just you shook my head, uh, and I think you guys have pretty much both summed it up. Until we until we hear more, it's probably not yeah. really worth going there. 
Yeah, talk to us. I mean, this kind of thing that we talk about, oh, we're going to blow this up and we're going to, you know, this is the, this is the dark side of the 24-hour news cycle that CNN started 35 years ago, right? Where every hour on the hour, we've got to report something, right? And if we just keep on saying the same things over and over again, we start to look a little silly, right? So let's tweak it. Let's make it a little bit more jazzy. Let's make it a little bit more entertaining. Let's get some talking head in that will sit and pontificate and say how absolutely shockingly, terribly horrible this thing is, and I'm appalled. I'm appalled, right? Um, no, you, I'm appalled. You, you're, you're, you're a John. That's right. I'm a John. I'm a John. And he's a Stephen. He's a Stephen, right? And, and why do we need to be appalled? And I think the Israel for Life situation is a perfect example. You know, I sent you guys a very well-written article came out last week in the Sydney Morning Herald, which pointed out the litany of absolutely shocking things that, that Wallaby, rugby and league players have done over the last X number of years, right? All of whom were allowed to continue playing rugby. Yes, somebody has expressed an opinion for which he is not apologetic, right? Which he believes is the truth which he has, believes is part of freedom of speech and freedom of expression and freedom of his religion. But in every other way, his behavior has been exemplary as an example in the sport, right? Why was it necessary to be so appalled? Why could they not, right at the beginning, just if this is how they felt, issue a press um, statement and say, we do not hold with the views of Israel Folau, that is not our view as an organization. However, we live in a country where freedom of expression is enshrined in our constitution or in our laws, as is freedom of religion. And therefore, we may not agree with them, but we live in a country where you are free to express these things. We differ in opinion, but we don't have to kill each other and be differing in opinion, right? You don't have to put that in your press statement. Basically, we don't agree with them, but you know what? This is a free country, and he is free to express those opinions. End of story. All of this would have gone away. All of this would have gone away. They would have been, oh, how can you should have reacted? We should have reacted. And they could have said, yes, that is your opinion. And we defend your right to express your opinion, right? And within a matter of three or four weeks, the whole thing would have been gone, right? But now they are rolling. And they are rolling, and they are rolling in it. Yep, they are. And instead of this appalled culture that we, everything is appalling, or a Johnning, or a Stephen, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, this and think the, uh, the the one that forced their hand on this one was the fact that Qantas, one of their major sponsors, decided that 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 they weren't uh, that that. Um, uh, and part of that they, they, they weren't happy with it and that they, were, they, that was they, they weren't going to put up with. Uh, and therefore, the and one of the things we've talked about on this show before is how that um, the, uh, what I was going to say, how, how pl players aren't really played, aren't really paid to play rugby anymore. They're paid to be walking billboards. Um, and the best way to get people to look at them is to play rugby. Um, and basically, and that's, uh, and the people who are putting their, 
their name on that billboard other people who actually pay the who actually pay the, the bills and they've said that they don't like it so that's that, that's i think that's why that one's gone gone the way but you're right well the sorry paul i interrupted you Kara. um but you, you're right about the the the, the, the list of 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 other of, of when you compare someone saying something like that to someone who is active in dogfighting, who has beaten up their spouse, who has um, been involved in drug dealing, and these yes. are all the cases. The, 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 these are all the kind of cases that that, that were in the City Morning Herald as, as to as to things that the rugby players have done and not had uh, and, and not had their contracts ripped up. Uh, yes. So the. Um, now the uh, and, and yeah, how you can get involved in something like dogfighting and then be, oh, I'm sorry, I was involved in it. So how can you not know that's wrong um, in the first place? How can you not know buying and selling cocaine is wrong, um, and you and, and and you still have a career? So uh, it, it's strange that uh, the sponsors are happy to be associated with someone who's done that, but are not happy with someone who's 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 made a point. And I and I can see that that that's that differentiation is uh, to, to me uh, is is wrong. I personally have no no issue with um, Falau having his uh, con contract ripped up, but I can see the point that these other people shouldn't be also shouldn't also be in the game. Um, well, first off, I want to back up what you're saying because I reached out to my contacts um, in the. Let's call it the, the rugby reporting world, right? Um, and off the record, um, so that's why I'm not going to mention where I've, where I heard this from. But off the record, I just reached out and said, "What you know? What are you hearing? What is what's your opinion? What's that?" And what I heard back is that it's absolutely being driven by Qantas. So this def this decision is not, is being taken at the behest or is being driven by a sponsor. So. On a just on a sheer principle level, when your sponsor starts to drive the decisions on how you direct your sport, you are in deep trouble, right? And I'm not simply talking about this issue. I'm talking generally. If you're starting to make decisions around the future of your sport and which direction you're taking according to who is supplying you with the money, then you're in deep trouble, first of all, right? Secondly, um, I, and here I'm going to say this very carefully, right? the reason also why the person who um, is involved in dogfighting, and by the way, Michael Vick, renowned quarterback in North America, right, in, in the NFL, right, went to prison for dogfighting. Didn't just get his contract torn up, spent two and a half years in prison for dogfighting, mm -hmm. right? The reason why the dogfighter and the cocaine dealer and all of this, why they are not getting their contract torn up is because dogs don't have a voice, right? And the people who get enslaved in drugs and suffer from it are not jumping up and down and saying, sort him out, he must pay a price, right? But the people that are being spoken about in Israel Falah's post are saying that they're unhappy and we are in this this environment and I'm not saying that I will fight for the right of a homosexual to say they don't agree and they think that's out of line right that's freedom of speech but the point is we're in the society where if somebody shouts loud enough 
then we've got to, you know we can't take any controversy right we can't seem to have this ability to have opposing views have differences of opinion and carry on living together even though we have differences of opinion right and unfortunately the dogs aren't jumping up and down and the the drug addicts are not jumping up and down and so therefore these guys because they have value because they have talent and that's what it's come down to they have gone here is the value of israel falah to us as an organization and on the other hand here is the value of the sponsorship that we get and this is worth more to us than israel falah and the talent and the difference that he makes to the wallabies and that's their decision that's what they've taken Yep, it is. Um, I, I will disagree on one point as a, the, about this idea that um, as soon as you allow the money to or, or sponsors to to say the, the direction of, of your of your sport, you're in trouble. Because I think that um, in all sports, uh, that the money has uh, has sway as the direction that the um, that the sports that the sport takes, uh, whether uh, and now to to a greater or lesser degree. I think one of the ones that's happened, for example, in baseball is. Um, the players used to spit a lot on the mound um, when they were up to up to bat. People disliked that, um, and so the sponsor said, "Look, stop all the players from spitting." And so eventually, they stopped the players from spitting because um, again, again, from a sponsor and fans because uh, they pay the money, and that's where the that, that that's where it came from. So I think uh, there are there are degrees. Um, now, obviously, in your opinion, this this one has gone further than uh, further, further than it should do. Um, to me, I think that it, it happens all the time that sponsors drive and the money drives where a sport goes to. Um, so, let's say we'll just... We'll, we'll, just because we'll, it's we'll, happened we'll elsewhere, Paul. Just because it's happened elsewhere, that doesn't logically mean that it's okay, right? Just because this is a repeating pattern in sport around the world, right, doesn't mean that those other sports have not suffered and had consequences for it, right? Yep. And uh, look, I abhor spitting, right, in public like that. Of course, it's not cool. But I still don't think, even though it might take away something that I don't like, um, spitting on the mind, I still don't think it should be driven by sponsors. It should be driven by some consultation with the players' union and saying, listen, fellas, right, let's just talk about this. Not a great look, right? So let's come to some kind of agreement here. Let's work on this together. Not you're going to do this because otherwise we're going to lose money, right? Because, yeah, anyway, this is a, this is a very deep, in-depth philosophical um, discussion. But, we are, you know, for me, I've seen the transformation of cricket, for instance, as the money behind certain sections um, of cricket has just driven it in certain directions that have not been the, for the good of the game, Right? And we've taken decisions that have not been in the interest of the sport, right? And this is the thing. If money is your driver, then any threat to the money, and you're going to be start making decisions based on the fear of losing it. And that's always trouble. In the long run, you might lose out on the spitting, but somewhere around the line, it's going to bite you in the backside. Uh, yeah, as a... Um I get you saying it's not always the, and you're making it, you're, you're taking it to be, you're, when, when you talk about the money here, you're, you're taking it's not just sponsors, but also we look in, look in the UK, for example, at um, the owners uh, of, of, of uh, and, and chasing money in the, like the Viva Premiership in the top 14, where 
there's been a detrimental to the to the French national team by going out and buying players from overseas um, and things like that. So the yeah okay. So you're not just purely talking about you're talking about money as, as a whole rather than just just from a sponsor's point of view. Um, well, yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. Look, money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not every evil, and it's not money in itself. But once you start. Like, we've got to have it. We've got to have it. Oh, and now Qantas is going to take their money away, right? Basically, what you've said, what the uh, Australian Rugby Union have said is, in Australia, our sport has a price. And, uh, yeah, all sports do, unfortunately, um, to, to, to a greater or lesser degree, unless the, the amateur game like the GAA is, is, is an island where uh, they, they can... <laughs> Uh, we, we do you say, sorry to interrupt you? Paul. Do you think, Steve, that the the rugby in New Zealand has a price? Do you think it's reached that stage? Um, that the we we had a situation on our own doorstep up in up in here in Auckland with the Blues organisation, where Murray Bolton bought in forty, who was a corporate cabs guy, bought in forty nine percent shares of the Blues, and from what what I understand in the boardroom, had a real big say. Or started to have an influence on what the coach at the time, John Gouin, was basically doing when it came to to um, sort of recruiting players. And from what I'm led to believe, uh, the the Benji Marshall experiment was something that was driven with by uh, by Murray Bolton. And we all know what an absolute sorry disaster that was. Wonderful rugby league athlete, but he wasn't the answer to the the issue. At the time, and from what I understand, there were there were other other decisions. In fact, there might have even been a bit to do in behind John Cohen's um, job as the actual coach at the time. And we we all know, as as Paul Shakes has said, no, well, so, yeah, he did. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely. Yeah. So that that once again, as you said before, John, sometimes that influence of money can send an an organisation. <clears throat> excuse me, in the, in the wrong direction. But we've also seen it with the with the Warriors. I'll cross code here a little bit, but I can remember when uh, uh, Tainui, who picked up a, a big paycheck with a, with a lot of funding they got from the New Zealand government, and then they basically bankrolled it back into the into the Warriors. And once again, it went went down a path which led the Warriors in in the complete wrong direction. So, mm. yeah, I, man, I, I, I take I take on board what you what you're saying. Be be very, 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 very careful. We we've spoken about how the pyramid effect in New Zealand rugby works. And it's 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 uh, as a, a really good friend of us ours once said, New Zealand rugby at top level is like a deck of cards. And it's uh, it hasn't mm. and at the moment it's it's um it's foundation that that's got some issues at the moment. There's some quicksand in certain areas. Areas, so all that money you get to drive your top guys, mm-hmm. all all it all it all it basically does is is how how am I trying to put that? It 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 paints a picture that looks rosy, but mm. it's underneath where the foundation is is really really shaky. You know, and it raises something else. You talk about this guy buying in. When you bring these successful businessmen with lots of money into sport, again, you can open up a whole can of worms because many of these businessmen 
are used to being large and in charge, right? They're used to making these decisions strategically, hiring, firing, setting, um, you know, course, setting vision, doing all this kind of thing. And they're used to doing it very successfully and they're used to winning, right? Then they come into a sports organization. Quite often, they come into a sports organization that is not doing well, right? That's why they're brought in. Or they buy, um, they, they very seldom, if they're buying from another owner, buy a highly successful one, right? And then they think that they know the sport, but they know business. They don't know the sport. And then they get involved. And the most successful franchises around the world when it comes to privately owned ones, um, when I say successful, I mean ones that win, and win championships and, and appear in, in playoffs and appear in semifinals continually over and over the years. They have very wealthy owners who, who get out of the way and let people who know the sport run the franchise or run that particular club, whatever it may be. It's the ones that constantly are meddling that create an environment that very seldom is successful, Right. The ones that are constantly thinking, you think that because they know, they've got an MBA or because they're a fantastic entrepreneur, they know how to, they know which coach they need to hire, right? Instead of getting a really good general manager who knows business and knows that particular sport and then doing a proper, letting them do a proper search and finding the right coach. Right? They think, oh, I know because I know how to do everything else. Yeah, and we, we see that problem in the Viva Premiership where you've got, Basically, nine or sorry, 11, uh, 12 owners and one um, uh, one members club. Uh, the thirteen people who own the who own the um, uh, the, the uh, Gallic Premiership, and they you, you can see that they don't. That there are certain people in that one. Bruce Craig is one, for example, who, um, as far as he's concerned, his view is the one that should be that should be carried, and that's the way they should be going. And doesn't like the fact that there are um, twelve or eleven other. Uh, successful gentlemen who think the exact same as him and don't have the same opinion, um, and it doesn't work very well. Whereas you look at the NFL, mm. where you've got uh, they, they've got a situation where you've got a whole bunch of very successful businessmen who own who own each of the franchises, but when the commissioner says something, they all go, "Okay, yeah, he's made that decision. We will fall into line." Whereas in uh, mm. in uh, the, the the Premiership, the the, the the equivalent guy can't make those decisions. He has to wait until he gets votes from all the people. And then even when they do vote and agree and supposedly agree something, you can still see some of them come out and disagree with it. Um, and it's, it doesn't help the, uh, the, the organization at all. Um, yeah. One final thing is that I would say actually is, is the fact that we have AIG on the All Blacks jersey now shows that there is a price uh, for, for, for these things in, in New Zealand rugby. Uh, so far, the things that have been sold, you could say, are acceptable. Um, but uh, but there is a price. The question is just how how big is that, and is someone willing to pay it? Um, would be my mm. unfortunately. So, should we talk about some rugby? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we should, Paul. But I think um, we're almost uh, halfway to thirty five minutes in. So I think you should just give your your um, the um, the driving wall a bit of a plug, man. Oh, the, the half time report. Oh yes, the half time report. So. Mate, yeah. Yes, hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving More. Um, and uh, down below, you'll find there's a link to uh, become a supporter of Driving More 
on patreon.com forward slash driving more. Uh, there you'll get exclusive access to um, articles that I do uh, give opinions and things. So why is Super Rugby so close this year, for example? Uh, and I'll be doing a piece a video tomorrow uh, looking at the exodus of players post Rugby World Cup. And is it unusually high this year compared to, or this round compared to, say, four years ago and eight years ago? Um, so I'll be doing that tomorrow. Uh, also, you get an uh, insight into driving more as a kind of business. Um, and I'll give you some of let people know my monthly earnings from YouTube and that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so go click on that. Help support the channel, please. Um, there's even a tier that lets you get one of these hats so that uh, you could be a proud owner of a driving wall bucket hat. Um, and if you make a big enough contribution, you can determine what we will discuss each week. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the only reason the only reason the only, the only reason my video tomorrow is birthday um, parties. The only reason my video tomorrow is about the access of players is because one of my supporters asked me to talk about that. So, absolutely, yes, I'm money driven, folks. There we go. Just so we, what we're basically saying is, we are purchasable, right? <laughs> and um, I, I, I'll safely say right now that I'm cheaper than an Aviva Premiership rugby team. Um, Correct. There we go. We are that shallow, Steve. We are that shallow. No, no, no! Don't, 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 uh, don't, don't wrap yourself. No, this is this is me that's that shallow. And I'll just, yeah, well, you, we'll you, you, you guys just, just, you. just supporting me to be that shallow. I didn't, want to, um, I didn't want to roll you under the bus, you know, alone. I wanted to make sure Steve and I were there. Oh, dear me! Um, you thought the Wallabies rugby union was. Uh, was cheap. He ain't seen us <laughs> CVC. If you'd like to, if you'd like to invest in us, you can do so at much, for much less than. Uh... <laughs> All now we have operators standing by. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Yeah, pebaines at gmail .com If you want to email me with with your offers to buy Driving Mall, it's um, up for sale for uh, a good eight figures. Uh, any eight-figure any eight-figure offers, offers will be uh, will, will be reviewed carefully. Um, Mickey Mouse moment of the week. Did you have any funny moments during Super Rugby that you saw this weekend, Stephen? Yeah, I did actually. It came from Friday night's game between the Hagawares and the uh, Hurricanes. I actually saw three fly kicks in that in that game, where a uh, Hagawares player had absolute plenty of time to rush forward commit himself to the ball and just decided I'll fly kick it into anybody and I think it ended up being turned over and then I saw it again in the second half it's just something you don't really see you know the, the modern professional player most of them you know commit themselves to the ball so I've, uh -huh. I've really never see, seen that before um, that was but, probably but that was that was the kickoff wasn't it to, yeah it was, it was crazy it was absolutely crazy I never I haven't I haven't seen that for a very very long time if 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 at all usually maybe back in the I don't know maybe the under under tens and under eleven days you have somebody who just didn't want to commit themselves and they just fly hack it and that's what I, yeah it was just crazy there's a there's a few other things in and around TMOs but uh, man we'd need another show to discuss those guys <laughs> first off Steve. It's it's backline players that do that fly kick thing, yeah. right? It's uh, it's fancy Dan backline players who don't want to get their hair messed up that yeah. don't dive on the ball. Right? 
So let's be honest. Those are the ones that come through swinging the boot rather than falling on any self-respecting oh. would dive on the ball, right? <laughs> Just, it was comical. Uh, it was, that was funny. And, and, and any from you, John? Uh, yeah, I was I was surprised. Um, and um, excuse me, you guys have jogged my memory here. There was a there was a try awarded where they did not go upstairs to check it, and it was very controversial. Um, oh, it was the Chiefs-Blues game where there was a try awarded to the Blues that on review looked very dodgy, and the ref said, no need, no need, no need, oh. carried on playing. A little bit later, there was a try awarded to the Chiefs that did go up, they did reverse it. And I just thought, why the two standards? Why review the one and not the other? It just looks really bad. Yeah, well, that's same same to you, Mo. Glenn, Glenn Newman was the guy on the try you're talking about is off a tour in the fussy. And uh, whilst in the in the um, action of diving for the try, he actually lost control of the ball and it actually it actually touched the Chiefs player. So it stemmed a knock on, but he regained it again and then went over the line. But the try was given. And I know sitting amongst a, a bar, with the Chiefs supporters, <laughs> there was a there was a little bit of disgruntlement, shall we say? And uh, when the when the Gus Sawakula try wasn't given, oh sorry, Peter Sawakula, well they call him Gus. Um, there was a, I must admit, I was a little amazed. I didn't see any knock on, but uh, obviously the TMO saw something that uh, we all didn't see. Well, the point is, it wasn't referred to the TMO. The first one, that's the worst part of it. You can go to the TMO, and I think we're starting to realize that TMO decisions themselves, just like they discovered in cricket, you're not going to remove all controversy. There still can be sometimes some kind of, you know, you think line decisions and you're going to have a, a, a definitive answer. And what we've discovered when it comes to going to replay is that you, even with replay, can have a difference of opinion. But when one gets referred and one doesn't, that's when it's really bad. Well, yeah, because we would yeah, there's... talk about that same game. Malign and I's try looked was um, was also a bit uh, a bit questionable, uh, and went up to the TMO, and he said, "I can see a grounding." And I'm like, "You can't see the ball anywhere. How can you see a grounding?" <laughs> yeah, so, that, that... I'm prepared to say because I know that the TMOs at the at the ground are given a very large TV on high definition, and possibly when we're looking on our screens, even though they might be good TVs. We might not see the kind of granularity that they can. So I'm prepared to to take, you know, the fact that a TMO with his high def TV and his big and he walks right up to it and he looks at it. But I'm prepared to say that he might have a different opinion to mine. But if a, one tries referred and one is not, yep, and one both of them are iffy, and and one is checked under high def and one is not. That's when it's really poor riffing. Yeah, there was a there was a crucial TMO decision in the Stormers Crusaders game on a on a forward pass. Now that was called from the TMO. He actually went he messaged the referee, basically mm-hmm. saying it was a forward pass. Where the process probably should have been to the referee: Can we look at that part? Can we look at that last last pass mm. and discuss? Um, mm. I must admit, when I looked at it, it looks back out, back out of the hand, but it's it's floated, it's floated forward. 
Um, mm-hmm. The touchy didn't appear to pick it up. Um, and, of course, nor did the referee because he awarded the try. So I think the issue there, more than anything else, is, is the process more than anything mm-hmm. else. I know that the TMO is, is, copying, is copying a lot, but surely there should be a, a standard thing. If a, if a TMO isn't unsure about something, in the referee's ear, hey, can we look at something? And, mm. then, the, and then all three of them can basically can make some sort of cons, consultation. Mm. But I know what's getting up a, a lot of people's noses is Marius Yonka made a decision on his own. And even the, you could just tell by even the referees, the Australian referee, even he had a look, well, okay, it was almost a, a shrug. Okay, we'll go back, we'll go back for a scrub. But, but again, remember, guys, um, first of all, what do we want? We want the right decision, yep. right? Yeah. That's, what, that's the whole purpose is the right decision, right? I don't have an issue if somebody goes outside of protocol in a particular sport in order to get the right decision, right? Now, that's, that's talking about the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. But if our desire is to have the correct decision made, eh, I don't think it's that much of an issue. And we must also remember that a referee standing on the ground and looking all the way up to a big screen all the way over there, yeah, right? And if he goes, oh, he's not right up against a high-def TV like the TMO is. Like yeah, he's sitting yeah. at it and the TV is sitting right in front of him, right here, like your screens are, and he's looking at high-def. So he's not going to see the same, right? So he might shrug, but, you know, that's what the TMO is there for. Right? And, in you know, if we had a little bit of post-match feedback from refs where, you know, if there was a bit more transparency and they could put this thing up on a big screen and draw a little circle and say, look here, this is why I made that decision, then a lot of this would all disappear, right? I saw this on my thing and, and that would help tremendously. But we've got to remember that the, the ref that's on the field when he calls something bleedingly obvious on the big screen, it's because it is absolutely obvious. <laughs> yes, true. Right? You know what I mean? And from the at the length of a rugby field, looking up at a big screen, he looks at this, oh well, yeah, I didn't see that. I was unsighted. We were all unsighted. We missed it, whatever. There's a flying fist. Oh, there was another one. That was another one. Who who was it that um was it this week or last week? I think it was this week, where somebody threw a punch. Only made contact with his forearm, and it was a penalty. Oh, it was last week. My, my apologies. I'm, I'm rehashing ancient history. It was a Chief Sharks game. Um, uh, that's right. Just where somebody threw a punch. One of the Chiefs players threw a punch uh, in the Ajibaji and, and didn't connect, and it was just a penalty. And I thought, hmm, here we go. There's, you know, I'm missing something. Actually, you could also argue it was poor technique from. from- <laughs> Braden in, or maybe it maybe it highlighted maybe it, it highlighted a weakness that he he doesn't pass well from from right right to left because oh, I thought, I thought about it, it, like it, it shows a weakness in the fact that Braden Inor can't throw a punch. The um no, it needs to work it, on his left hook. It actually it actually showed when he made the pass. It, it, he, he to be he whilst he was throwing it back, it almost yeah. like. It, it, technically, yes. it, did, it it didn't it didn't look great. That that's why I'm yeah I don't know I don't know I'm I'm sort of I'm I'm fifty fifty on it. But it it, it was one of those ones that I suppose it could have gone either way. Mm. And that's what I felt about the the uh, Salakula try 
But when I looked at the offer, Tonga Fussy try, that was that was wrong. And, and listening to Leon McDonald say, oh, listen, the Blues have had a lot of a lot of those decisions uh, not go their way. It's it's not it's not about it's not about that. Not about that at all. It's about getting getting, getting things right. right. And, and I and I was really I was actually quite impressed with Colin Cooper. He didn't lose his call, but you know, you, you, you he just he just put the question out there and I thought that was fair enough. Mm. Let me ask you, Paul. I was watching a lot of games with somebody who plays uh, club rugby. So he either starts in, in the second uh, for the second team for a local club here, or was on the bench for the prem team. And I was watching some of these games this weekend with him, and he kept on saying, "There's a forward pass," and it, it wasn't just pointing out; he was pointing all different teams. There's another forward pass. How? And he was just going again. That's a forward pass. There's another forward pass. How are these refs missing all these forward passes? Are you seeing the same thing, Paul? Um, I've definitely had, had people asking me from Europe who've sort of caught a Super Rugby game going, guys, uh, have they given up on forward passes in Super, in super Rugby? Um, yeah, there's, yep. so, so yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely that feeling that, that we are, that uh, it, it isn't being policed um, at the moment. I really don't like the way it's policed currently. I think it should be, um, if you throw the ball and someone catches a ball in front of where you threw it from, it's a forward pass. Now, the one at the weekend, he throws it before he crosses the halfway line. The guy takes is like three metres past the halfway line and catches it. Now, you can say it came out of the back of his hands and there's physics involved and all this kind of stuff. Well, fine. Um, if you want to uh, basically throw it further backwards and make sure it goes backwards, solve this physics stuff, let's just actually say a forward pass is when the ball goes forward rather than going, it's out the back of the hands and floated and, 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 and make it more complicated than it really is. Um, I think that's part of Well, I think part, 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 part. a lot of these problems occur when the guy who's making the pass gets tackled. So in other words, if he carried on with his run and the other guy is behind him in the correct position and they're both carried on running and he passed the ball to somebody behind him and then he carried on running and was still in front of that guy, it, the issue would be moot. But what happens is the guy's carrying the ball, he passes it before contact and he gets hit and suddenly he stops and the other guy carries on running and you lose that perspective. Whereas if he passed it before contact and the tackler pulled out and he carried on running to support, then it doesn't become an issue. This is the problem. But I like what you're saying. We should be more definite in the fact that we're passing backwards because what's going to happen is we're going to be playing in a, in a World Cup knockout game and we're going to be playing with the Northern Hemisphere ref, and suddenly we're going to put up for all these forward passes, and everyone's going to say, what's going on here? But that's because they haven't been pulled up, right? Oh, sorry, so I thought you were going to go or, the other way, and you're going to say, you're going to refer back to Barnes back in... <laughs> no, no, no. I think there was a genuine mistake, because that brings my other thing is, could the, could the reason be that Super Rugby now is being played faster and faster and faster? It certainly... And I mean, the game um, between the Lions and the Highlanders, yes, wonderful, high-felt weather, warm, at altitude, hard field. But it, it, in some ways, it looks like almost a different game to what's been played in the Northern Hemisphere, right? Mm -hmm. It's so much quicker. It is so much quicker. There are so many more passes in any game, right? And offloads, and they, they're taking on the advantage line flat, and the, the first five or fly half is hitting the you know, and there's offloads right in contact happening, bang, 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 bang. Could it be that the refs are just, they're not, 
they're not catching them because it's happening so quickly. Could that be it? I, there's, 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 there's possibly an element of that. Uh, um, but I think there's also been a, uh, the, the, this whole thing that um, the, I mean, it used to be you had to, you had to pass the ball backwards. Then it was you can pass mm. the ball flat. Then it's, it comes out the hands backwards. Um, and the referees have to be so sure that it's a forward pass before they actually call it that I think that now basically, mm. yeah, as long as it's flattish. Mm. And even, I mean, even, even the commentators have gone, oh, that, that's a flat pass. Sorry, guys. No, what you mean is, well, that's a mile forward, but I'll call it flat because it sounds better. Um, but yeah, yeah, well, we could do some better commentating. The... <laughs> we could do with some. I was about, about to say, guys, the, the question that does my head in is the clear and obvious one. See that that sort of opens itself up again to interpretation because a number of times I've heard that question asked and it's looked forward. And the and the answer has been oh no it wasn't obvious yeah oh hang on it, it was it was it, it was forward but they've just gone with it and called it a try you know I think if, if there's any doubt yeah it's a forward pass yeah spoken like a rugby player and and talking about the <laughs> and, and, and talk, talking, talking talking about the the, 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 the pace of the the, um, the Talking about the pace of the game, I, uh, uh, the, there's, it was interesting to listen to an interview of a guy who played for the Chiefs at Lock and then moved up north to Leicester, I think he was. And he said, look, at the end of the day, there's only so many hours a week you can train. Um, and that basically what you've got in, uh, in New Zealand, he said, is basically we train like 60-40 on attack, 60% on attack, 40% on defence. Whereas when you actually get up to the Northern Hemisphere, they spend 60% of the time training defence and 40% training attack. Um, and that change of emphasis of how you train, the balance of training, is that um, does change what pace the game is going to be played at. So if, you play, if you're training more on attack than defence, it's going to be a quicker game. Um, but if, you tra- if you're training more on defence and it's all about that line speed, then you're so knackered from doing yeah. that line speed, you can't do anything else. You can't, you can't be as fast in attack. Um, so I think, I think well, there's an element of that involved. This is where... And that hand on hearts, and my my first allegiance is to the Springboks because that's what how my dad raised me. But this is where um, rugby owes a huge debt of gratitude to the All Blacks, is that they have proven in the last ten years that attacking ball in hand rugby wins World Cups. Yep. And if they had not proven that. The whole sport would have suffered if the uh, uh, Clive Woodward style of 2003 had proven to be continually successful in winning World Cups. It would have been the worst possible outcomes, at, so far as playing style goes, for the sport. And also risk taking, and we saw that at the weekend with one of those wicked, wicked house moments with um, Rich Mwanga's uh, kick that deflected, went sideways. <laughs> Havili collected it and went in to score. Um, they're allowed to try things. They're no, allowed to make mistakes. Whereas the 2003 thing is about, yeah, no mistakes. Uh, mm. and let's, let's control everything. Um, and my final Mickey Mouse moment of the week. Uh, did you see the um, Papier's pass between Genia's legs? He nutmegged it? No. Yes. 
at, yes. the, at the breakdown, Genny is well offside. <laughs> um, yes. gets, gets called offside, then, and Papier passes it straight between his legs to the fly half, which was a fantastic piece of yes. skill. Um, yes, it was brilliant. Oh, and you've raised something that gets my goat so badly. Oh, is, <laughs> is how guys will be offside, hands on the ball, illegally, in the ruck, obstructing, slowing down the ball, and the ref will say, let it go, let it go. No, you're offside. The guy will let go. The referee won't blow him up, and the ball has been slowed down. So he's infringed. He's in the process of infringing. He gets warned. He stops infringing. The referee doesn't penalise, but as a result, the ball is slow and attack is, is affected. But he's done exactly what he's and they all do. It's not their fault. This is a refereeing problem. They're doing exactly how I would coach them to do. The, especially the open siders and the loose forwards. I'd say, get your hands on the ball. Get your hands on the ball and look at the ref. Like, yeah. like a naughty boy. Like, can I have this ice cream? Yeah. Can I have ask, another ask, ice cream? Ask the ref the question oh, and he'll answer you. Ask, yeah. Oh, yes, this can is I have this ice cream all the time? That all that 1,000 or 1,000, 2,003, your defense is forming up. And I'm looking at the uh, can I oh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the other one is yeah, the well, um the deliberate knockdown on advantage that then gets scored as a try that would be a yellow card no, no, normally, but isn't a yellow card because they scored the try. It's like hang on, no, it's either sorry, a yellow card or it's not. Yes. What were you gonna say, Steve? I, I was gonna say, World Rugby apparently have sent a directive out to referees that <clears throat> They can talk to the players, but penalise them only if they feel it has an impact on what's happening on the resulting play, which is just which just opens the door for more interpretation. But from what I understand, they're not entirely happy with with Super Rugby at the moment. We've seen many examples of. I, I think we can refer back to the the Chiefs. Blues game in the first round where Brody Retallick was asked <laughs> on three or four occasions to stop holding the ball on the ground. Just penalise him. It, it was it, it was crazy. And it's it's continued throughout the uh, the whole season. Hey guys, I know we, we haven't got much time left. I know Paul was gonna briefly touch on how this was gonna gonna basically play out for the rest of the season. Not this week. <laughs> Not this week. We've we just run. We've just we've just run out of. We've just run out of time. Well, well. Just let me say, I think probably, I think the Crusaders. You can definitely tick a box. The Hurricanes. You can pretty much tick their box. I'm liking to look at the ball of all at the moment. I reckon it was a great bounce back from them. On the on the weekend, they played some really really good code. Um, I think. Uh, listen, I'll chuck the Hagawaris in there. The Sharks oh, in there. Yeah. Aguaris are a real threat. Yeah, big big game this weekend, which could determine the fate of um, of uh, both the Highlanders and the Stormers. Um, the Highlanders playing the Stormers in in Cape Town. I think that's going to be a real big ask for the uh, for the Highlanders. I think the Stormers would have got a lot of oh, big 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 point there. The Highlanders have got three games left. Whereas just about everyone that they're competing against has got four games left. So they've got one less get they've played one more game than everyone else around them. Yeah. So how good was that crowd at, at Newlands? Oh su- superb. I mean to say you you saw that you saw that, that great 
those great images, and then you saw the images of the Highlanders um, Lions game where basically nobody was there. I, I, what is that all about, John? Well, um, and and the same for the the Blues Chiefs game it was terrible. The attendance was terrible, and and then you see that game at Newlands, and you remember that's what Super Rugby used to be like. You used to see uh, stadiums like that, right? Um, that's all about the fact that uh, the Crusaders have a huge support base in Cape Town, and they came out to support the Crusaders, just like the All Blacks do. I mean, if I was South African rugby, I would never give an All Black Test match to Cape Town, never. Not for a good 20, 30 years, right? Um, uh, because you just it's you you're losing a lot of your home crowd advantage, right? Um, because there's such a strong supporter base there uh, for the All Blacks and the Crusaders. But yeah, that's that's really what drove it. You know, huge interest. And then once all of the Cru- the Crusaders fans in Cape Town started coming out, then there was a response from the Stormers fans saying, we're not going to be outnumbered. And it was a bit to and fro, which is great. That's what you want, you know. Um, John, just, just before I, I sign off, one one good piece of news for, for South African supporters. We, we could see four. We could There is a likelihood we could see maybe three or even four South African teams make the top eight. It's... it's well, yep. That's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a real dogfight because um, I think the Jaguaris are at the moment the strongest team. They just are playing really good rugby. I think the uh, the Lions are possibly the best coached team, but they don't have the same level of talent as um, as the Jaguaris. I think the Sharks possibly have the most talented when it comes to player for player the most talented athletes in the entire competition, but the coaching is diabolical. And the Bulls are just uh, a little bit schizophrenic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they can really turn up one day, and another day they just seem to fall apart. Uh, so there's a, there's, a huge, there's a huge dogfight taking place in that. And, and it might be a little bit of cannibalization, and that the fight that happens in that group might actually, it might be, as you say, three or four teams go through, it might be that they knock each other out, and then it's only one. But I mean, the the the, uh, the the problem for the Bulls is they've got the Brumbies away, the Blues away, the Highlanders away, before they go back to play the Lions at home, um, and they've only won one game. Last weekend was the first time they'd won overseas since twenty fifteen or something or, or earlier. Yeah. Uh, yep. So they've uh, they they've got a tough series of games, three more on the road to come. Mm. Um, for them, that's why Whereas, I don't think they're a huge threat. That's their problem, you know. Um, I they they've got they've got backline issues. Um, they've got cohesion issues in their backline. Um, they've got great pack of forwards, but not great uh, so far as the tight forwards are concerned. But not great loose forwards, except of course for Dwayne Vermeulen. Um, so just their weaknesses there, and they're going to be decimated after the World Cup when it comes to losing players. Yeah, well, you've got the big players like the, the the Lions don't have to leave South Africa again. They got the Sharks away, Stormers at home, Hurricanes at home, and the Bulls away. Um, and the Haguaros got the Waratahs and Reds on the road, which is not the hardest ones to play. Let's be honest. Before they get the Sharks and the Sunwolves at home, so yeah, there's um, some definitely some easier run-ins than the Bulls. Yes, and, and remember the Lions if they play the if they play away at the Bulls, that's closer than Auckland and Hamilton, right? It's uh... 90 kilometers apart 
less, probably 70 kilometers apart. So yeah. that's that's hardly in a way game for them. That's the closest. Um, that's the closest derby in uh, in Super Rugby. That's right. The um, but this weekend, boys, um, do you have a favourite game this weekend? We have the Chiefs versus the Reds, which is two teams that uh, are really scrambling it out. Brumbies versus the Bulls, that could be a really interesting one. Top of the Australia Conference versus top of the New the Africa Conference. Mm-hmm. Sunwolves Rebels, that should be a fairly comfortable one. Crusaders. Sorry, Bulls. Just need to say that again. What did you? <laughs> Sunwolves <laughs> Rebels. Sorry, just buzzed. Sorry. <laughs> that should be a fairly. <laughs> Rebels should be. Oh, go one. on. Um, <laughs> The army. I, look, I got I got zero out of six last weekend in my predictions. So this is I'm, I'm just giving up. I've, I've I've just lost all faith in myself. Um, okay. Crusaders what Blues. else? Is <laughs> Crusaders. Yep. Mm. Now that's going to be like clubbing baby seals. Um, yep. <laughs> well, it depends what the Crusaders. If if the Crusaders get distracted by their off-field issues, um, they they they, they won't. They won't. They shouldn't do. Um, Waratahs, Hagiwares. That's. Um, uh, Stormers, Highlanders, and then the Sharks versus the Lions. Now, I found that Sharks-Lions one really hard to call. As you say, the most talented side against the best coach side in Africa. Um, so that one, who knows? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. Well, it could. It has potential to be a good game. So does, you mentioned it, the Highlanders-Stormers uh, game. Could be yep. a good one. Where are the Waratahs playing the Jaguars? Uh, in Sydney. And you... In Sydney. In Sydney. I think the I think I think the Waratahs are very affected by what's happening with Falau, the whole Falau issue. Um, and I, I think the Jaguars could be right to pull off a away victory there. And that would really put them in the pound seats when it comes to the the log. Yeah. Waratahs are actually Waratahs are actually favourites on the TAB for mm. that particular game. And um yeah, the Crusaders are paying a dollar seventeen to beat the Baby Seals. We're at four dollars ninety. Sorry, Steve. Who's playing the Baby Seals? The Crusaders. Oh yes, yes, the Baby Seals. That's right. So there we go. We're in Christ. In, down, down in Christchurch, yes. No, no, oh, man. They're going to come out with a hammer in each hand, hobnail boots. They're just they're going to be going all four appendages at once. It's going to be. Really? No, oh dear! So there we go. Um, I think the Blues and the Reds are the two most boring names in Super Rugby. So perhaps, perhaps now we have a new name for the Blues. That it's the Auckland Baby Seals. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh. Auckland Baby Seals. The good one I like that. Bluesers, bluesers. <laughs> the bluesers. Oh. oh dear, no. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much, gentlemen. It has been a, a pleasure yet again. Um, and uh, so not this weekend, but uh, next weekend um, for the Chiefs versus the Crusaders. So the adult seals and the and the uh, and the Crusaders <laughs> when they face each other in Fiji. Um, I will be in the Zone Sports Bar with um, Minty, uh, or uh, who is or um, who is the uh, radio sport commentator for Waikato. Um, so the two of us will be in the Zone Sports Bar. Uh, in uh, in two weekends' time, um, I believe both you boys are away, uh, busy doing things. So uh, sign us 
safe travels to both of you. And um, thank you everyone who's joined us, especially in the live chat. It has been uh, it's a big good fun. Don't forget, subscribe up there, become a member down there. Over there are two videos that the artificial intelligence here at YouTube says you'll enjoy. So click on those and um, yeah, see you all. Actually, I'm going to take a night off tomorrow night because there isn't that much All Blacks news. I'll be back on Thursday with Ryan previewing all the Super Rugby games as we have the lineups um, for them by then. So good night. Oh, great. I get the night off tomorrow night. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>